Hey, welcome back to yet another episode of the Terry Summers podcast. And I just have to say, what is a good podcast if it doesn't have a top 10? Hmm? Okay. Well, I was having a conversation with um, my friend and um, co-producer of sorts of my podcast. You guys met him. I think if you've been with me for any length of time, uh, he was my very first official podcast guest, Brian Cole. And I was telling him that I wanted to spend some time uh, mulling over the things that I've sort of gleaned from the past four guests that I've had. And he said, well, why don't you do a a Terry's top 10, like the takeaways that you had from those. And so I thought it was a lovely way to broach um, what it was I wanted to do today. So I think that the top 10 is going to show up again. Anyway, um, I've, I've really been moved and excited. I don't think that I was, um, tactical, I guess, in my efforts to coordinate uh, podcast guests, I knew that I wanted to visit with people that were doers. Because as you know, I had like an epiphany last year that some of the reason that I even felt so successful just in starting this podcast was the fact that I I had finally stopped waiting and I did. And it also was sort of the simple truth that that was behind um, what continues to be upheld is there's not a dish or a spoon or anything left in my kitchen sink. And that happened um, January 1st of 2020. So... I'm on a bit of a roll and it really created a thing in me that it just doesn't happen. There's not anything left. There's nothing for tomorrow that I have to address that I really wanted to have addressed today. And that sort of momentary uh, bells went off, heaven sung kind of moment that I had made me set out on a pursuit of people that do that, that live that way, that just um, not, not necessarily in like a haphazard kind of way, but just get an idea or get a feeling or get a notion or a desire or a dream, whatever you want to put it into. And they make it happen. And so I, um, started out, uh, having Lori Cooney, which is a friend of mine and visited with her, um, to refresh a memory, she, you know, is a doer in many ways, but one of the most impressive things that I think that she did is she sat with something in her heart that she knew she needed and wanted to do, but it seemed like a huge thing to make happen. She lived on the East Coast. She wanted to be with her family on the West Coast and uh, was very committed in a career and a job there. Anyway, if you recall, go listen to her if you don't. Um, It was uh, an awesome experience to sit down with her and just even though I lived that with her over the course of our friendship, but to break it down and kind of digest that again. And then I had my friend Jeff Mullen on um, for so many reasons, had him on to honor our friendship. And we kind of dusted off a uh, a friendship that hadn't had um, much contact in a handful of years. 
But in the midst of that, all his talent and everything that um, that I hope we highlighted, an amazing voice. Again, go see that episode or listen to that episode and make a connection with him. But um, he had set out to do something massive before, and I say massive because it resonated with me. He wanted to lose 20 pounds before Christmas. <laughs> I thought there was a punchline coming after that, but no, he set out to make a major change in the way that he um, saw food, I, I, I believe, because he had to process that before he could decide to, to curtail his eating in the midst of the iconic eating season in any given year. So there was that. And then... Um, my friend Amy, uh, she is a was on a couple episodes ago. She's a photographer. She has kinship photo, but she um, she's a little go getter, and in a way that's super organic, and that resonated with me too. Because there's some things that I don't resonate with about doers that are, I don't hold anything against anyone like that. But I mean, I just don't resonate. So seeing someone take a path that is creative, given that, you know, I am me, and there may people be people listening that are not creatives, but I hope you still glean something from this. But the fact that I am the filter for um, what I'm looking and exploring in a doer, um, I definitely was going to resonate with someone, you know, who was creative. Because I think that, you know, creatives have their own unique challenges um, in just the blend and the mix and the way that our, our minds work. And then last week I had my dear girlfriend, Sarah, on. And boy, it was just a love fest just having her on. I've been wanting to have her on, period. She's an amazing artist and has a beautiful voice and a voice literally in like her singing voice, but just her voice as a person. And she's a doer as well. She made some choices, a handful of them to pursue things and kind of, um, even though we highlighted some, I think she just operates that way, but her bent at going at it was really, um, very, um, harmonious with me. So I made a top 10 list of some of the things that I have taken away from these conversations with these people. And I just wanted to digest it with you a little bit. The, the, one of the biggest things that I think I heard in everyone, and, and it actually, you know, goes back to even my conversation with Lori is to listen to your heart. Um, that part of us where we really rest and we, we, we dig in the part that speaks to us in the middle of the night, those um, tugs, those things are major path identifiers, I think. Like, what are you wanting? What do you, what has you? And uh, for instance, Lori really wanted to be near her family that she was to say tied to the East Coast, I don't think is unfair. She had a wonderful job there, had created a career for herself, um, went back to school, got a degree at a time in her life when maybe that wouldn't have been someone else's choice. So she was anchored there, had a beautiful home, but there was something stirring in her, something she was listening to in her heart. And I think that 
that's like the cream that rises to the top if we let it. You know, I think so many times there's so much going on in our lives and things that need to be done rather than we want to see happen that we sort of, um, we interfere with letting it come up in us. So listening to your heart was really, um, pivotal. And I think baseline, I, I, I put it number 10, not like it was the least up, but just kind of like the bottom, like the bottom heavy part of this whole idea of being a doer. And then because I am a thinker, I really listened for that thinking part in everyone. My thinking goes too far. I overthink and I create things out of the thinking that doesn't necessarily need to be there because I'm examining and over-examining. And I did hear that everyone really thought about it. You don't throw thinking out of the window when you set out to do something or when you choose to, to, um, sorry, my chair's crackling. When you choose to be a doer in general, I think thinking as I listen and I, I uh, compare notes with my own self and someone else. Thinking is definitely part of it, but not to get stuck in the thoughts. And how you go about doing that, I'm still exploring because um, it doesn't take much for me to shoot down a thought and I don't know where I am by the time I'm done thinking. I mean, I'm I'm lost in a forest of tangled thoughts. and to re- respect the way that my mind does work that way, that part of me also feeds my creativity. So I can't like say, I am such a overthinker. I can't stand myself. That's n- not really what I'm saying. But what I do hear in others is that they have managed a way or at least an awareness of curtailing overthinking. Number eight, planning isn't always the priority. I know that I have heard and it always sort of made me cringe. Um, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And um, again, I think this kind of goes along with the thinking umbrella. Um, there, there, of course, needs to be some some structure to moving forward. Like, let's just take something super simple. Um, I set up a a rule, I guess, or a structure that um, as I am doing dishes or or, um, um, cooking, I try to, I plan on cleaning as I go so that when I encounter this, um, before I lay my head to the pillow um, quest of not having anything left in the kitchen, it's not a huge task. So I know that planning does... um, play a big part in it. But where I think if we're waiting for the perfect plan, if the plan, um, if the plan tries to happen before the life of it comes to fruition, does that make sense? Like to, to let something have a life to breathe and then sort of guide it where it might need to go. I know I was having this conversation with Sarah last week and she was saying she is not really one of those that um, super plans or is goal oriented. And I, I have to kind of agree with her that I am not. But I think that 
the essence of letting something come up in me could be quote unquote, a loose goal list. You know, if I were to apply the, the things that I've listened so far, listening to my heart, my heart and giving some things, some thought, but not getting stuck in it. Um, I think that, um, the plan can look differently than, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a really well-oiled structured goal oriented, um, by the book kind of plan. Um, that was very freeing to me because I think that I still associate this fail to plan, plan to fail. And, and I don't disagree with that because I think planning, you know, allows blood to, tr- to travel to the creative heart, um, and all of that. But, um, but I just don't think it is the priority that I um, may have told myself that it was, which then became part of overthinking, which then like deer in the headlight and I don't move on what it is that I want to take action on. Um, talk to yourself. <laughs> I do this. I talk to myself. And then I also have a podcast where I can talk to you. So I get in a lot of talking, but talk yourself through, have those conversations. I think at the core of this is know who you are. And I think going around and chewing on something um, for a while with yourself is very helpful in understanding what it is you want and why you might want it. I don't know that we're we're always going to find the answers in those conversations, but we set out an intention by talking to ourselves and having that freedom of, um, of no outside expectation of what that conversation might come to or how it might conclude. Does that make sense to you? It's, it makes sense to me, but I don't know if I'm communicating it well. I also think talking to yourself, um, just, I, I encourage myself sometimes <laughs> like, okay, I say, okay, when I finish something, okay, all right. Like I'm moving to the next thing. It's kind of like, a um, take a deep breath and let's, um, go from here. So the talking to yourself was something I think that I know Jeff said he had a conversation with himself about looking back at attempts to drop weight and then would find himself putting it back on. And it was just one of these conversations. He said, he said, are we going to do this? You know, do you want to do this, Jeff, Jeff to Jeff? Um, And if you don't, then let's just be, let's just sort of be happy being where you're at. So it was this conversation where no one necessarily weighed in, but Jeff, all pieces and parts to Jeff. And then what concluded from there is he took steps from there to challenge himself to not wait until tomorrow, to not wait until, um, there's a, um, I know he had a plan, but I was thinking like checking multiple plans against the other. He did really, um, start doing what he wanted to do, which was to get a handle on his health and weight loss. Um, and the next one, number six is embrace the uncomfortable. Oh my goodness. I don't like to be uncomfortable. I don't like to be uncomfortable in my clothes. 
I don't like to be uncomfortable in social situations, though I am really good at making everybody else comfortable. It does sometimes make me uncomfortable. Um, but it rang a bell in this regard as far as doing. I like to comfort myself. I like to seek comfort, which oftentimes means that I wait because there's something about taking on something about me that makes me uncomfortable. And I know there's some deep rooted possibly counseling needed in that. Um, <laughs> but uh, t- to embrace it, I know that sounds so self-helpish, but if, if I did, like when I embrace somebody that I love and that I've missed or that I see or whatever, and I, um, obviously, you know, I have to filter everything through since the days of COVID, but when you could just wrap your arms around someone and I kind of started thinking that way, like, what if, um, I wrapped my arms around the uncomfortable because it is not my enemy. I have, um, like the, the diving board explanation that I've given before, I've just created a ledge that then is uncomfortable. So I just have come to the edge of the ledge and made that, oh, this is uncomfortable and not gone in, into the discomfort. But um, there's some, you know, like things like just things that hold me up. Like I'm looking at my desk right now and there's like at least three um, identifiable projects that I need to take on. They aren't necessarily creative. As a matter of fact, one is working on my taxes. Another one is a, is a thing for um, the Chickasaw Nation, which is the tribe I'm a part of. And then one is opening mail. And I just kind of don't want to think about it because I know that I'm going to have to be responsible in those. And there might be something that I don't know about or whatever, and it makes me uncomfortable. But if I were to embrace the discomfort and intentionally say, hey, I know this is uncomfortable and I'm going to uh, like give it a hug and welcome it and say, you have a place here, uh, discomfort. Um, it really takes the power away, I think, from that um, moment or moments or pattern. I have a pattern of avoiding um, the uncomfortable This kind of um, number five, you know, don't wait for the best time and circumstances. I come back, um, I come back to to Lori, to Jeff, and um, and and um, Amy too. Amy, um, she listened to her heart and followed her heart and let things unfold. So it wasn't necessarily. Um, I, this might not be the best time for me or, you know, there was a youthfulness and I think there's beautiful things that happen in our youth. You know, we, we, the, the risk seems less, our patterns have not set in as much, but it was so invigorating to hear her talk about how she sort of fell into, and though I don't mean that to be as though there wasn't an effort, but that doors open and circumstances and she embraced that. And she had a tenacity about her that she applied. So it almost felt like there was a plan, but there wasn't necessarily. So she wasn't 
waiting really for um, the best time and the best circumstances. She let the time and the circumstances lead her, but she stepped into it. And again, with Jeff, was it the best time and the best circumstances to take on this desire that he had to uh, get his his health um, in check and his weight, um, you know, under control? Not that he was, you know, he's not super heavy, but you know what I mean? Um, no, I mean, the circumstances were, hey, it's the holidays. <laughs> and uh, what if he just said, I'm going to wait till January after it's all over. And then, well, there was a desire. He listened to his heart and there was something in him that said, I'm not going to wait for the perfect this or the perfect that. The energy, I think, in listening to our heart that that sort of swells in us and that feeds into conversations, that is something not to let pass because it might not come back around again. Ooh, I got chill bumps. I'm preaching to myself. Mm. Number four, and I said it like that, number four, but because I'm not the biggest risk taker, risk does bring reward. And there could be all sorts of things that one is risking. It could be risking the absence of uh, comfort for myself, or it could be uh, risking failure. That's another one. I have a perfectionistic nature and I see something in my head and I just don't always want to fail at it. I mean, it goes pretty deep. I'm going to be transparent with you. I, when I take laundry from the dryer in the laundry room outside in the garage and bring it into the house, um, you know, it would be really um, smart if I had like a laundry basket, go figure. But I grab the laundry and I hold onto it, but I hesitate in bringing it in because I don't want to drop an item. So that right there, you dissect that. I don't want to fail that much that I hesitate in grabbing the laundry. Now, we can take the structure of that and apply it on a lot of things. I am working on a project right now and I have one more piece to finish on it. Now, part of me wanted to really give it some thought because I knew that I have a tendency if I'm in a mode to just go for it and finish something and say I finished it because that's a struggle of mine, finishing things. But um, so I did pause for a little bit to give it some thought because it was the end of this piece and I really wanted to... um, to have it come together with intention and to be a reflection of my heart. But there, I'll be honest, there was also, there's also a part of me, I'm finishing it today, by the way, there's also a part of me that goes, oh, I'm finishing it and I don't want to mess up. It's a risk. But you know what? When you step out, risk does bring reward. It does. It did for Lori. She risked, uh, would she have a career that would open up for her in the same way if she moved across country? Yes and yes and still is saying yes. And she's near her family. And in that time, the risk had paid off to, um, you know, maybe move before the best time to sell a home would come or all of that. And, um, she was able to have some time with her 
dad in particular before um, what was unknown to be his um, passing, imminent passing. And that risk had reward. Um, the risk of um, moving across country for Amy from Arizona to New York was significant. It put her in a pool and in an environment that things connected and um, energy happened. And this career that she may not have seen two, three years prior just uh, developed, you know, with her own hard work, but developed in front of her. Um, Jeff, uh, risk in uh, passing up on a holiday. I'm, I get so sentimental, but it's a holiday and we're celebrating and, but you know, there might be more really lovely holidays ahead for the fact that Jeff took the bull by the horns and risked some of those celebratory, giving up some of those celebratory, sentimental, really feel good moments that we only have quote unquote once a year around the holidays and, but he has reaped reward. I don't know what his weight loss is now. The last I heard it's upwards of 40 pounds, but what? Right. Um, and then Sarah, um, when she, um, and David, her husband made decisions to travel to California and the people that she met in California, they moved, they did a, if you listen to the episode, they did a couple test runs over there, um, for her music. And then she met people that then just, uh, her life took her life and her career were invigorated and took on an energy that, that had that risk not been taken. She would have missed that opportunity. And, uh, I, you know, I, I can't say enough about that one, though it does sort of scur me a little bit, but it re it does bring reward and we hear it all the time, but I think until you, um, test it out a little bit, it doesn't necessarily become someone's truth. And so that's what I'm working on. Um, spend time with doers. I got to tell you, Wow. making an intentional choice to have um, guests that are doers was like opening the windows in my home, the cross breeze and the sunshine and hearing birds on one side of the house and echo from the other side. Okay, I can take this metaphor too far. But you get what I mean. Like the energy is there and it is contagious and it keeps that idea of doing in the front of my mind. So, um, having folks around me and surrounding yourself with people who are doers and, you know, these are, and I, I, I mean, to each their own, I don't necessarily meet, um, excuse me, mean, um, super, uh, list makers, conquerors. Um, what I mean really I'm focusing on is whatever has kept one from doing what you want to do. Um, hang around with people who are not giving into that for themselves. That's what I mean, because I think it will dare you in ways that are even unspoken to 
do what you want to do. Ah, I love that. Two, tomorrow might be a bad word. We all, um, 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 Annie, (laughs) tomorrow, tomorrow, I love ya, tomorrow. Yeah, I bank on tomorrow too much. It's even been in my mind today. There were some things that I had had a hope for to set into motion today. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to start that tomorrow. Whoa, that might be a swear word for me. Because I think that it delays us living in the moment right now. And there now is a powerful thing. Now is all we have. Really, I don't mean to go down a overly contemplative lane, but um, we, we are not promised anything beyond this moment that we're in, even this evening. So it, it's not even about tomorrow, but the idea of tomorrow, you get what I mean. It is probably not something to um, put into practice in that regard. I think hopeful, looking towards, um, having expectations of, but not waiting until. That is, oh my gosh, I'm getting chill bumps. Um, I know, you know, after I lost my first husband, I went through some counseling and I remember my counseling, shout out to Ron, uh, my counselor said, you know, you, um, you basically counsel yourself before you get in here. And I just sort of, you know, <laughs> help you navigate what you just did. So I think I'm sort of counseling myself with this podcast. Thank you very much. Checks in the mail. Um, this was something number one takeaway for me that resonated from my Miss Sarah and this was particularly for me was about being creative. She said, if you are, you're either a creative or you're not, you, you, you either are or you're not. And I think that has a lot to do with the doing of it. So if you are a, for me, in my instance, a creative and I'm not creating, then I'm probably not. I'm not living into it anyway. And Um, allowing who we are to have a platform is, um, is, is provided to us by the doing. I think if I say I'm a creative and I'm not allowing myself to do it, then am I a creative? It's like if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, did it fall? Well, you know what I mean? A little bit. I don't know if that's the saying or not, but I, um, when she said that, it's like my, my soul lit up a little bit, you know? Um, but let's just say you're not a creative. Let's say there's something else. There's something else that, that, that is in you that, um, that you resonate, resonate with and that you would call yourself or that you would like to have or like to be. You either are or you aren't. It's it let it exist. 
not only just let it exist for me it does have a lot to do with letting it it exist because I suppress or hold back or stunt myself so much I think of it as twine around my ankles that there's enough there for me to shuffle through some things in life wow I sound pathetic a little bit but you know what I'm saying like there's there's something that I let inhibit me um so allowing something is powerful, but also welcoming something and celebrating something. Um, I'm either going to celebrate that I'm a creative or I'm not going to celebrate that I'm a creative because I'm either doing or not doing. So those are the top 10 takeaways that I have had with time that I've spent with people that are doers and I'm going to keep pursuing them and um, keep welcoming their information into my heart and my mind and sharing it with you. But I hope you uh, were inspired or maybe you have your own takeaways if you've been listening to the folks that I've had. And if so, reach out to me, let me know. Um, And we'll talk about what your takeaways were as well from the folks that I've had on. I'd love to hear from you. like, comment, share, all that good stuff until we meet again next week. Bye.